Um, there's just a, a thing in OA that's always been uh, important to me, and that is uh, a line that said, uh, love is the call from the other to come out. And that what we get in OA is an attentive audience to listen as we explore our own journey of finding ourselves. And so I'm looking forward to doing that with you here this morning. I know that you're the really bad dudes because how many people show up at 8.30 on a Saturday morning for a forgiveness workshop? <laughs> I mean, we are, we are the down and dirty. I just cannot wait. I can't, I can't wait to hear the stories, honey. This is going to be fabulous. And uh, I will soon get down from this podium. I feel like really weird here. I, um, I've had a long history of talking from podiums like this and being a very impressive speaker, and I do that quite well. But that's not what I want to do here this morning with you guys. I'll do a little bit of that, but then we're going to get in a circle and we're going to do uh, an exercise that's from my early, earliest days training as a therapist. While I was still at USC in graduate school, I had an internship where uh, I did this, uh, this exercise, and I just love it, and it is so appropriate for us this morning. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Would you please introduce yourself? I don't think so. I don't want anyone to know who I am. <laughs> No, no, you're absolutely right. Thanks. I was going to get to that. I was just doing a little schmoozing here, but uh, I do have a a formal uh, thing. (coughs) And we will go to it right now. Let's see. It says, um, ask someone in the front to be a timer. Give them the time cards. Oh, no, we already discussed that. We're not going to do that. This is a three-hour thing we're doing. Amazing, isn't it? Okay, so uh, I'll make sure there'll be plenty of time for interaction and Q&A and and exploration for you guys. Okay, so welcome to the Forgiveness Workshop. My name is Judy, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Oh, yeah, leave them right here. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) He's so fabulous. (laughs) Always joking. Okay. And I'm the moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being taped. All speakers must sign the release form. Done. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And Judy H. is the leader for this workshop. The topic for this session is forgiveness, letting go of resentments, the number one offender. So I'll read the rest of this later. I just want to say that, um, you know, when they called me to do this, first of all, I didn't realize, wow, three hours, you know. And then I didn't hear the forgiveness part. I thought she wanted me to talk on resentments. See, this is forgiveness and resentment. (laughs) 
So I said, well, I'll have to get back to you. So I called my sponsor. I said, you know, she wants me to talk on resentments. I said, I don't think I need to talk on resentments, do I? She said, oh, I think that would be good for you. (laughs) Damn. So I said, okay. And then I, you know, we fleshed it out a little, and I realized it's about forgiveness. And uh, there's a lot of relationship about that that I want to get into this morning. Um, I think it's really important because, uh, first of all, we've all got to be number one on our list of people to forgive. And that's pretty much the focus I'm going to take this morning. And as we start paying attention to how to forgive ourselves, then we automatically become more forgiving of other people and more compassionate and tolerant and all the deal. Now, I just already had to do work around this this morning. And it's only 8.30, and I'm into it. Because uh, I'll just tell you my little story is that I live out here in the desert, and of course you know it's 120 degrees this weekend. And we've already made plans to go uh, rent a room from this lady, uh, a woman I met in AA. I don't know her really well. She's a newcomer, blah, blah, blah. But we're going to rent a room from her. And uh, so... There was a monthly rate, then we're only going to be there, we're just going to be there three weeks. And uh, monthly rate, and then only three weeks, and yada, yada. So we did all this different negotiation, and then I've got these uh, things kind of burgeoning in my work life that I may have to come back early, and what if Henry doesn't like it, and, uh, you know, fidgety, nudgy, yada, yada, yada. So I wrote her an email, and I said, uh, we'd like to just do one week at a time, because I have these work things. You know how important I am. And uh, always wanting special attention, special consideration. This is one of the biggies in my life. You know? Uh, Why don't you just drive the speed limit? You know? (laughs) Big deals. Big deals in OA bring us all right down to size. You know? Getting right-sized in those areas gets our bodies right-sized. And by the way, I have my before pictures up here. I've been in the program 38 years, and I am maintaining an 85-pound weight loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, no applause, really. No big, no big deals here. My top weight is still out there waiting for me. And each day, I do not have God-surrendered, perfect abstinence. None of that's going on in my life. I'm still waiting, by the way. (laughs) It's why I still keep coming back, I guess. But, you know, I have such a sense of gratitude and terror. Okay? It's not that I don't have faith in the universe and all that stuff, but hello. I know who I am. I know where I live. And I know that even here, after 38 years, I have brief forays into eating three moderate banquets a day, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and damn it, my body and my metabolism won't let me eat the way I'd like to eat. Forget how I'd like to eat, even how most people out there eat. And that's just how it is. And I've accepted that I have a lifelong chronic illness, that here it is, the thing I'm madly in love with, 
I have to lean into my longing for it. I long for it. And I had to make friends with discipline and that whole, not now, thanks. Not today, that's all. Just not today. But sometimes I promise myself tomorrow. And sometimes I have it tomorrow. That's what it looks like. So, that isn't what this workshop's about, but I just thought, I, you know, I want you to know where I'm coming from. I, I know that I look gorgeous. I do. I'm unbelievable. I look better than I've ever looked in my whole life. Never better. Seriously. Uh, but so don't just look at the outsides and don't just think she's got it all together because I don't. I really don't. And Okay, so back to this thing this morning. So, <clears throat> so she emails back. I, I said, we would like to pay by the week. And she emails back. We made an agreement. This is the amount. <laughs> Right? And, you know, I did myself a favor, didn't I, by opening the email this morning to see that goddamn message from her? Right? Doesn't she know I'm an OA speaker? Huh? That she should be grateful that I'm even renting her place. Don't you think? Huh? And I've got four OA people staying in my guest house this weekend. I'm a lovely, saintly person. (laughs) Right? Don't I get back? I mean, yada, 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 yada. And actually, on my forgiveness list to myself, I want to forgive myself for that kind of a being. I have been that way all my life. And I used to judge the hell out of my mother for that. Because my mother was a kind of angry person, like Madame Lafarge, that you, you'd give her this much yarn and she'd knit a sweater. <laughs> you know? She'd just work and she'd be angry. And I remember what you said 20 years ago and blah, blah, you know? And I said, I'm never going to be like that. <laughs> well, it's just a slightly different octave. <laughs> But it's that same underlying self-abuse. She didn't do it to me. She did it to herself. And I don't do it to those other people. When I am sitting there at that computer, steaming and fuming about my rights and what I should get, and I want it. I want my way. Who is being hurt by that? So... I could email back, uh, hear ye, hear ye about my amends. I'm sorry that I even asked you for that, and be and I shouldn't have, and you are so absolutely right, and right? Burden her with all my thought processes and all my ins and outs, and I'm, I'm an OA person, you know, so that's why I'm like this, and you know? All that stuff. Instead, Judy, do you want to have a good day today or do you want to carry her with you all day? You want to let her live rent-free in your head? (laughs) Right? So I said, okay, see you Monday. That's it, baby. 
a lot of times, that's all it is, is you do not get into and change your behavior. Just do it differently. Do a corrective, different path. And you will be healed by that. And that's all we're about here. It's a selfish program. You will be healed by that. So please try to remember that as we go through things this morning because that's the underlying deal. So, um, now I'm supposed to read this here. This is from the OA 12 and 12 out of step 8, page 67. Clearly, if we were going to remain abstinent and find serenity, we had to learn better ways of dealing with other people, ways that would bring us joy instead of pain. Step eight is designed to help us with this process. In step eight, we look at our relationships for the purpose of discovering those patterns which have done harm to us and to others. Here we meet guilt head-on and get rid of it. Here we learn about the healing power of forgiveness as we discover how to forgive ourselves and others. Most important, we begin here to be willing to make amends. That is, to make changes in the way we deal with people who share our lives. See? So it's not ever about this declarative thing. That's really not what's said. It says that we will amend our behavior, and that's the way we ask for forgiveness. Taking action. I would rather philosophize about this. I'd rather be on on the phone with my sponsor for a few days about my defects. I have this great new sponsor. I've had her for about two years now, and I met her in Tucson, uh, where she was leading a workshop in... I go to, I'm also in AA, and I go to, I'll be going this year, a conference called IDAA, International Doctors in AA. So it's for healthcare people and all AA members, and, and very cool, a lot of OA and Al-Anon people too. But it's, it's very cool. And she was leading a workshop about how the old timers did stuff. And, and I realized that I needed her because I'm a, a therapist. I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll talk about that. Maybe not. But uh, So I know a lot of psychobabble, and I know a lot of my dynamics. And, you know, I came here at 222 pounds as a very successful therapist. And I used to be able to stand in front of the fridge and explain to you what I was doing. <laughs> But OA helped me stop doing that. And that's all that was really, really baseline important in my life, is please, God, let me stop doing this to myself. I was 29 and a half years old, and I said, whatever it takes, the next 30 have to be different. There has to be something else going on besides this. So, um, okay, so... Uh, this uh, workshop that she was leading with this other guy, they went, they go back to the old records of AA. And how did the early guys do it? Because, see, they needed to have people who got through the 12 steps quickly so they could be out there doing step 12 and getting 
helping newcomers, right? So they didn't have time to spend a year and a half writing their inventory, <laughs> right? I mean, my first inventory took a year. I mean, I wrote like crazy, and then I'd go over her house and read it. Actually, the way I started writing my inventory was that I would come home from these OA meetings every, every week, and I would call her up, and I would just bitch about the people at the meetings. <laughs> I said, this, she said this, and that one's too that. and You know, I was a therapist, don't you know? Um, and I felt that, uh, you know, I'd already worked through these issues in graduate school. You know? Um, but I sat in the back of the room with my brightly colored muumu. I thought my muumu was nicer than theirs. <laughs> and then I'd go home, and I'd call her up, and I'd say, and she'd say, well, dear... Why don't you write about that? So I just knew she was trying to shut me up, you know. So I said, okay. And that's how, you know, I'd wear the paper. And and I would then, she'd say, now would you like to come over and read it to me? And then I'd go over there. She'd say, circle that word, judgmental. Okay. And that one's too phony. Okay, circle phony. Manipulative. Okay, circle manipulative. And then afterwards, we would go over these words I had circled. And she said, well, do you do any of those things? It's not about me. It's about them. She said, well, our, our program says that we discuss the exact nature of our wrongs. I said, you know, I'm very subtle. I don't do it like they do. They were very obvious. She said, it's the exact nature of the wrong. So if you do it once a day and they do it 12 times a day, you can only take care of you're doing it once a day. Ah! So you see, then we had to try. I had to try to clean up my doing it once a day. And when I saw how hard it was for me to change behavior... Even being willing, I'd find myself in the midst. And even now, 38 years later, I do some of my same old stuff. Recovery is about that I see it sooner and I turn it around faster. It's not about never doing it again. I have not arisen. I've not become goddess. Okay? But it's that, wham, I see it and I turn it around usually with help, <laughs> usually is with that phone call bitching about what, rah, rah, rah. And, well, what could you do to help the situation? Let it begin with me. Let me be the change I want to see in the world. All this Gandhi stuff, you know? All this mandala stuff. So, um, anyway, so why was I telling you why I picked her? Okay, so... Oh, so it's like a quickie, short form of the 12 steps. Oh, I know what she said. You know, you're going to be here for a lifetime. So you really don't have to get it all perfect all at once. You know, I used to say, oh, I've got to go to that OA thing because there's that great speaker, and I'm terribly overscheduled, but I have to go there too. And my sponsor would say, you know, If they're a good speaker and they're really in the program, they'll be around next year. You know, you'll have another opportunity. You know, we're all in this for our whole lives here. 
And you, the hardcore people, are really here. <laughs> and, and by the way, that this reading about guilt and, and that sort of thing, you know, there's a, an AA thing that they say, you can always tell a newcomer at a meeting because you spill coffee on them and they say, I'm sorry. So we come in here very guilt-ridden and very beating up on ourselves. And so we need other people to help us tease out, well, yeah, that is a legitimate thing that you feel bad about and you can't necessarily fix the whole thing, but what could you do today, maybe with a different person, that could, could relieve you of the pain about it? And then there might be things that you're getting overly dramatic and chaotic about how rotten, no good you are. And those we need to dust and clean because, you know, in a way that's very self-obsessional. I mean, there's no way you can be a no good piece of doo-doo, the worst person in the world. No way. You might have been told that all your life as I was, but it's not true. You see? So... Yada, yada. So, um, Judy will now lead the workshop. (laughs) So we've already been into it, okay? So, uh, let let me just uh, see if anyone has any question or comment about what I've said so far. I love it. Oh, okay, you, you love it. Okay. Uh, Just one little extra piece of what particularly applies for you. Could you give me that? Okay. Ruminating, self-absorption. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is my biggest thing. I've wasted so much of my life in those kind of nonsensical things. The battling very hard to give up the battling. Yes? About what? Oh, it's about the phrase you said. Oh, I said a phrase. It's about. Okay. We'll buy the tape. I don't know. <laughs> it's gone. What? Do you know what I said or no? Okay. That's it, yes. Recovery is about seeing it sooner and turning it around more quickly. So maybe you're saying you'd like to look into teasing out, am I doing it to myself or is someone else doing it to me? You know, that sometimes we do create people to abuse us. I was a battered wife at 222 pounds. I didn't always create it, but I did sometimes. I blamed myself for it a lot more than it was my thing. But sometimes I did provoke him. Sometimes I got in his face when he was drunk. And how come I didn't know that was going to happen again? Right? Oh, duh. You know? So, and uh, unfortunately, and that's another workshop, but we do kind of marry our mothers. So uh, I, uh, I picked people to continue that 
tight, intimate relationship, that abuse. I mean, nobody, nobody could get the veins sticking out of my neck and the blood in my fingertips the way my mother could. Ah, alive, isn't that? Hmm? It's, there's something flowing for sure. You come to the sex thing at 2 o'clock. I want to talk about that later. But it's all interrelated, it really. And it's connected to how we eat and our ravenous beast. You know, I, uh, I said yesterday at the thing, at the meditation workshop, that I love to play Elvis Presley singing, There Will Be Peace in the Valley for Me. And the lion will lie down with the lamb, and the beast from the wild will be led by the child, and I'll be healed from this creature that I am. Yeah, I just <laughs> I came in here as a creature. I was a wounded animal, defended. Raging, eating, drinking. And I've been healed. So, um, amazing. (laughs) It's not what I came for. I came to lose some weight. I was going to be here for six months and be a prom queen and leave. And here I am, 38 years later. My God, more than half my life. But there, it's because there's something in it for me. I didn't just, I, I gave up it just being about what I'm eating. And I became a spiritual seeker. And I love what we create with each other. And so we're going to do some interactive stuff later and we'll create such a lovely thing together. It's not me, it's us. This whole program is a we-us program. You know, the, the birthday of AA is June 10th, 1935. Anyone know what happened on that day? What? Yeah, maybe that, but that isn't, that isn't what it is. There was an AA thing that happened, June 10th. Yes? It's the day that Dr. Bob got sober. Yeah, you're right. So even though Bill had been sober six months before, there was only one. And when Dr. Bob got it and it stuck, they said, now there are two. Cool, right? Very cool. They knew so much. Yeah. So so let me get some more of the questions. So that'll feed into how the workshop goes based on your questions or comments and What's important to you? Yes? I like, I like what you said about making amends, how you simplified it to changing something in yourself. Yeah, to change your behavior. That's Rather re- than going and doing this big, long yes. speech to somebody. Yeah, and sometimes a speech may be indicated. I'm struggling with some things with my brother, and I'm not sure... I'm going to be writing him a letter or if I'm not going to say anything. And, you know, that's the work I need to do with my sponsor. We cannot sort that out ourselves. 
we're usually going to choose the self-abuse option. Like, I have to be very careful and cagey with my brother, and I could just say the wrong thing to get slammed. And then I could say, but I had such good intentions, and look what he did. And I could pretend that I don't know who he is. Right? So, you know, it's like you're elevating yourself to a more classy lady who sees the bigger picture, who sees the periphery and knows stuff. I mean, when we're really in recovery, we know stuff, honey. We're dangerous. I was unmateable for many years. Seriously. I used to say I can't mate in captivity. (laughs) But uh, no man wanted to be around all of that power, all of that wisdom, insight. They might have wanted to roll in the hay, but they didn't really want to. And I wouldn't even roll in the hay unless they were up to the stratosphere with me. So... So be careful if you came here to lose some weight and have a lot of sex. Because, uh, seriously, because it messes you up in that area. You are no longer a piece of meat. You become a different being. You become more penetrable in many ways. I'm getting into the sex thing. Wait till later. Yes, ma'am. Well, it's a gospel hymn. It's called Peace in the Valley. Great. Yes? What resonated with me was your statement about uh, being a wounded uh, preacher. And then for me, what I'm hoping to get out of the workshop this whole weekend is how to, I guess, balance the energy that I put into so much into the resentments and just how it, I just latch on to it like a pebble. Yes. Isn't that interesting? And the, and the topic of our whole weekend is letting go. And, yeah, that's wonderful what you said, that she wants to see how to let go of that resentment, to see how it, it festers and hurts us. Yeah. Okay, any more? Yeah. Right. Thank you. Great. Yes, please. I, you're absolutely right, and I didn't mean to like minimize or oh, think no, that. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but they say you spot it, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. It, And believe me, I became a therapist because I was so good at seeing people's stuff. You know, my mother and I used to sit with that linoleum, uh, that uh, vinyl-covered tablecloth, and we'd eat Kaiser rolls with the 
the butter dripping down and the seeds all over the tablecloth. And we would say, you know what she said? I know what he said. Right? And we'd just be feeding it. But we'd be, you know, and it developed a very perceptive view of you. So I became a therapist. But then when I eventually had to go to Al-Anon, they said, when you point one finger this way, there's three pointing back this way. And you got to take care of your side of the street first. Because they're not going to change just because I wish it so. But I can change. I can be healed from the whole scenario. I can play in a different ballpark. Today... Oh, you know, I used to be attracted to all the violence and stuff. You know, my boyfriends all had those white T-shirts with the Marlboros rolled up, you know, and the DA and, the, you know, lowrider car and always choosing lesser companions, you know. Uh, I'm not putting them down, but it just didn't, it wasn't where I belonged, really, you know. Uh, why am I telling you that? Oh, and now today... I would never look at that kind of person, you know? I feel kind of compassion for them, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to play that one out. I know what that play looks like. I've done it. I want to be surprised by a new story. If you find yourself leading you back into the same old story, what am I doing here? That same old story requires 222 pounds. That lady can't live in this body, and this lady can't live in that body. That's the kind of change that's promised in Overeaters Anonymous, and that is why it is a totally, totally different program than anything else anywhere. And we live in a culture that has all the weight loss thing, buy this book, use this gym, yada, yada. But they don't talk about becoming the person that can no longer live in that body. And if that doesn't happen, I have more tendency calling back to that because it's easy and it's negative and it's self-abusive, which is still where I may live from time to time. Not as often. Catch it faster. Turn it around. Yes? Sure. Okay, and I have been trying to do that. Uh, As you ask questions, I'll try to, for the tape's sake, uh, say what your comment was briefly. Sure. Yeah. I said love is the call from the other to come out. Yes, so you come in these rooms here. We're all seekers right now, and you're seeking certain stuff, and I am too. And we create this atmosphere of pulling it out of each other. Okay? You know, uh, aerodynamically, a bumblebee can't fly, right? It's got this round body. But it flaps its wings and takes off just like a helicopter. Well, we come here together and we create that kind of energy together. I mean, it's just starting now, and we're lucky we have three hours because it's going to start 
elevating us to a new dimension. One of the things in our literature is we get catapulted into the fourth dimension. Now there's even stuff now about the fifth dimension they're talking about, but I don't, I don't pay much attention to it. Okay, what? Give me more. Any? Yes. Well, great. I mean, she said that she wants to, she easily forgives other people, but a lot harder on herself. And that's why, believe me, the focus of this morning is going to be about forgiving ourselves. We're told to put ourselves at the top of the list. And that's going to be a lot of work. And then we get down to the other people. Uh, but I do want to say, and the guy named Rex was supposed to bring me this book, but he's not here yet. But uh, anyway, and it talks about how to make amends that I, I'm going to talk a little bit about. But don't, uh, well, I shouldn't tell you what to do, but I will suggest that we don't be so easily forgiving of other people. I've done that a lot. I want to find my part in it and make it all about what I did wrong because I want to quickly put it in a nice package with a red bow and be done with it. But what if the truth is that that other guy is out to get me? And my job is to get an awareness. Remember I talked about having a wider view of things, an awareness of what is going on. And yes, I can still be friends with them. And yes, I can uh, forgive. But not... You know how we're just so enmeshment, melting into the other guy, totally trusting, giving it all over. What happened? Again. So, take care of this thing here. You know? She's precious. She's godlike. So, we need to just, please, pay attention to all this stuff. You do it with a sponsor. Never on your own, please. It's the most dangerous thing to think about making amends on your own. Believe me. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hmm. So hurt yours. No, see, she, she, the question was, what about people who keep calling you forever and I don't really feel like talking to them and they're all full of drama and chaos and I don't want it anymore. But I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I said, so hurt yours. 
This is a selfish program. Now, let me tell you something. My first sponsor I had for 16 years. She was fabulous. She was a black belt Al-Anon. And she was so good to me. And she had a lot of people in her stable there, you know. And every once in a while, she would do a moratorium on phone calls. She'd say, nobody can call me for a few weeks. I need to regroup myself. And she said, she'd always said, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Spread the wealth. So for a while, she couldn't call. So then uh, I had a pretty, pretty bad year in, uh, in my recovery. Uh, I had created the nation's first eating disorder unit, and this no-goodnik psychiatrist stole it from me, and it was my baby. I was a workaholic. I was madly in love with my work and my thing and my counselors and all this stuff, and I was devastated. Uh, at the same time, other issues came around about the IRS and the man that I had been living with for 10 years. Loss, 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 loss. <sighs> In the midst of all of that, my sponsor said, you know, Judy, I have a heart condition and it is so painful for me to watch your life. I really can't take your calls. <laughs> and she said, um, you know, it's, it's too much for me. And I said, do you realize that you are now saying to me the worst thing that anyone can ever say? Because I've always lived a hot life. You know, George Bernard Shaw said you could live your life as a candle or a blowtorch. <laughs> and I've always been a blowtorch. And everyone around me has always said, you're too much for me. And here, this person that I'd been the most vulnerable with for 16 years of my early baby recovery... She said, you're too much for me. Wait a minute. Don't you think that would be a good reason to eat? Don't you think I should have said up yours to all these 12-step people that they're phony and they'll abandon you and they'll get it, get Yeah, I have abandonment issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a person. You're a person. You have a choice right now. You can go out and eat at them. Or let me find another one. Let me stay. No one's driving me out of here. There's not one person, no matter what they do, that's going to, even 12 people, no one's driving me out. I'm finding my seat and I'm sitting in it. And so... There, listen, I'm a therapist. I know from this issue of listening to people. And I'm getting ready to be fully retired because you know what? Well, oh, good, yes. People know that I need help with this because I've been at this for years now, semi-retired. Um, but 
There's this one of the things I didn't like the most about being a therapist was the importance that other people gave me. Now you would think that people like that. I don't like it. I don't like the power, the the seeker that I have their answer, sort of. I just it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel alive. Anyway, I know there's a lot of things I can do around that. But but what I'm trying to tell you is, if you have a lot of people calling you, then there's a part of you that likes that role. Okay? Uh, there's a certain power in it, and also it could help you not look at yourself. I'm saying this about me, not about you. But, you know, you can spend a lot of time being with their problems and less about yours. I was the fat girl in high school that all the girls brought me their dating problems. I never dated. <laughs> I didn't know anything about dating, but I was, oh, the earth mother. And also, I can absorb all your negativity and chaos and wild stories, and I can just eat a little more and take it all in. But now, I have open pores. I want to be semi-permeable. I don't want stuff that gets glued in my pores. I don't want stuff that sucks me down. So, oh, and the other thing I just want to say is there are other people now in the field who are much more energized and excited about the material. So they should be calling them, not me. Right? I'm done. I'm past that. I did that. I did it great for 35 years. So, and also, it's like in Al-Anon, when people are always calling, like the thing we get with each other is identification and help from hearing each other. So wouldn't it be better if that person is calling somebody who has that same issue and is struggling with it and they, they could tease it out together? Why make oneself be the one they call when you're aggravated hearing it? And on some level, people know that. They know that you're not genuinely connecting with them and energized with their stuff. So move on. Not out of hurting their feelings or putting them down. Keep the judgments for in here and with your sponsor. You can rail about what's wrong with them. But just for them, I'm moving on. You know, it's not, not good for me to take these many phone calls. Use my sponsor. You know, when she did that, it was such a great learning for me that, oh, the worst thing was in my earliest recovery when I would call her because I didn't know which drawer to clean out first in my office. And she would say, dear, I'm having my lunch right now. Could you call me back in 20 minutes? Sure. But she taught me that you can wait 20 minutes and I can eat a quiet lunch without hearing your chaos. It was such a great learning experience. So now I'm able to say to people, can we talk in a few minutes? I need to go do something. I need to have my life. And it'll wait. And it's not out of meanness. It's not out of judgment. It's just... Self-care first, you know, you put on that oxygen mask for you first. And then you can minister to the babies. 
All right, I'm going to proceed. Cool. All right, so you guys are great. You're, you're right on topic, you know? You're right on the right uh, questions and everything. So, um, from the AA Big Book into Action, page 83 of an old version, because we're long-timers here. <laughs> the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. That's why I so love these 12-step programs, because I go to a lot of spiritual things, and uh, I've spent time in Buddhist monasteries, and uh, you know, there's, there's people doing all that stuff who are still eating their brains out. You know? Actually, in that, uh, there was a recent movie with Jack Nicholson, and he was kind of talking about Buddhism, and he says, what does a 500-pound guy have to teach people about self-discipline? <laughs> and, you know, that was his judgment of Buddhism. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not here to be judging size. It's just that you have to live it. You have to take the action. So I'm sorry, this is a great weekend here, and we're all going to just get so lovey-dovey. <laughs> but then you take it out to the world. You know, when I'm asked to do the prayer at the end of my meetings, people, some people get mad at me, but I say, my prayer is, let's sing, take it out to the ball game. And we do. Because that's, this is just a training ground here. It's lovely, but it's training for out there. So, then further down this page, it says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. What are they referring to about this phase of our development? What are they referring to, you know? The amends. This is the beginning into step nine, that we have to take pain in our amends making. And if we are, guess what comes right after that? The promises of the program. They come right after you do step nine. Interesting, right? I mean, you'd think they should come at 12, right? At the end of the journey, you'll get your promises. No. Right after you humble yourself to live in an amends mode. When you amend your behavior, great events will come to pass for you and countless others. So it says, these are the promises. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. So, that's what you're in for. If you hang out here a little bit. So, 
Let me, um, let's see. I'm trying to think if we should do this exercise before the break or after. No, I think uh, I'll talk some. We'll take a little break, and then we'll do this uh, exercise. We'll change the chairs around. Okay. So um, one of my, as I've already alluded to, actually I wrote a book about family relationships that change in recovery. And after that, I saw what's the most important relationship to deal with. That became my second book about mothers and daughters. Because my struggle, and actually... uh, when my mother first read the book, she said, uh, oh, that's pretty good. And then a year later, she was fighting with me, and she said, you wrote a whole goddamn book about me. <laughs> and I said, it wasn't about you. It was about my patients, and it was about my work in the field. And, but in truth, a good friend told me it was about her. <laughs> and it was about the struggle to separate We were so close, even in a hateful relationship. One of my early lovers told me, years later, he followed me for 17 years after he rejected me, uh, but he said, one of the reasons that I I couldn't marry you is because I saw what goes on between you and your mother. 17 years later, he let me know this. Uh, But, you know, it was good information. Um, (laughs) Timing. Timing. Um, So one of my biggest things was always about um, making amends to my mother. I was terribly guilty. My mom had her problems a lot. Um, She couldn't she couldn't be happy to have such a wonderful daughter is what it was, really. Seriously. One time here in L.A., well, in L.A., I, uh, I, brought, I took her to a meeting, and there were some of my former patients at the meeting. And uh, they came up to her, and they said, Oh, you must be so proud. Your daughter so helped me. Thank you so much, and this and that. And my mother looked at me across all these people, and she said, Yeah, she thinks she's hot shit sometimes. And my patients just, like, backed away. You know, she was such an uncivilized force of nature. These things, you know, just so inappropriate. And, uh, but that's great. I'm so glad I got that kind of training because I'm a rebel and I will do the unexpected and, you know, hopefully have a little more class. You know, I've been here a long time. But uh, I'm glad for that aspect of, of what I got from her. But... Uh, Constantly, it was my guilt about not doing it right, not meeting her needs, da-da-da, you know. Uh, so that's been a lot of my work. I've made amends to my mother a number of times. My mother's passed now. Uh, I have guilt about how that happened. So I carried a lot of that. And for a few years, I really pulled myself away from the public forum because I, um, I was too conflicted about my feelings, about myself, about my message, about, uh, about life, I guess. 
Um, so one is my mother, that I may talk a little more about. The other is my brother. <laughs> the people closest, isn't it? Oh, one is about that rotten, dirty psychiatrist who stole my treatment center. I had stuff with him for years and years because it had started out that he had been my mentor and we worked together for 10 years. And one of the things he yelled at me in some of our final discussions is, I liked you better fat. See? Believe me, honey, that's what it comes down to. This recovery is dangerous because it does alter relationships. And you, you know, when you're no longer slapping yourself with a Twinkie, you're, you're not available to be slapped by other people. You know, you just say, whoa, no thanks, you know. And in some of those meetings where he's yelling and screaming at me, I learned this great phrase from my sponsor and from Al-Anon that you could say, well, I'll think it over and I'll get back to you. I liked you better fat. He didn't want to hear that. He wanted me as my old reactive, fearful creature, wounded animal coming out of the chute so that I could be inappropriate and dismissed. He didn't want me as an adult to say, I'll think that over and I'll get back to you. Equal. No venom. Where else for a dollar a week can you get this kind of training? Huh? Where else? Believe me, I'm a therapist. I charge big fees and I tell people, I'm learning it at OA. Why are you paying me? Get your ass to a meeting. Well, I don't like their moo-moos. <laughs> or, or they want me to do stuff. You know, a doctor in a hospital says, I'm going to cut off your leg. He's okay, doc. But in a hospital, when I tell people I want you to go to an OA meeting, they say, what? What? That's not going to help. Yes, ma'am. Someone had their hand up? Oh, Hank. Hi, Hank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you have to have a lot of forgiveness toward that person. He's asking, what if it's your child who says they liked you better fat? Um, it hurts, you know? And you'd need to sit with the hurt about it. And maybe, maybe, maybe share the hurt with them, but probably even not. Probably more with, with sponsor and with OA people. And bless them. Of course they liked you better fat. They got their way. They could manipulate around you. You were feeling guilty and you didn't have any boundary and you didn't have any solid grounding. And they could manipulate the shit out of you. Right? Everybody liked us better fat. I'm saying this to you who still have weight on as a warning. Be careful when you lose weight. These things come in your face. That's why you need OA later, not sooner. You know, when, 
Years ago, people had insurance that they'd only could do 12 visits a year with a therapist. So I tell them, you see me now, you go to OA, and then in six months, then we'll start our work. You know, why waste time arguing over uh, four ounces of protein? That's what people want to argue about in their early stages, you know? <laughs> I want more of that, you know? You're going to pay a therapist for this, you know? You know, only OA people could stand hearing it. Trust me. It's boring material, I hate to tell you. I used to think my sponsor was so lucky that she had me because I had such an exciting life, you know. And I thought she was just waiting for me to call her with all my new stuff. Oh. And then later I realized what a saint she was to listen to all that, you know. She had better things to do with her day. I hope she was doing her dishes or something at the same time because, gee. <laughs> so, um, it does, you know, it hurts no matter who says it. But those closest to us can really kill us, right? They can wound us more desperately. So, one thing we have to give up seeking the approval of others. You know? In OA, they say those who mind won't matter and those who matter won't mind. Those who mind won't matter and those who matter won't mind. So, you have to keep seeking people that want to encourage you to be your best self. Now, like I said, I always chose lesser companions that I could feel better than. But I didn't grow behind that, I just got to feel powerful. Now I, I take myself into situations where I get to feel vulnerable and not like the, the new schmuggy on the block that I don't know so much. You know, I seek those out. But when I did come here, I did, even though I knew so much, I sat in the back of the room. They said, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. And I did. I sat quietly and absorbed I actually sat quietly knitting. I would come to these weekends, knitting, 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 just letting your wisdom wash over me. So, I might get some help from you about my brother thing, but, you know, it's been a long, long history of stuff. Uh, about 20 years ago, I remember telling my sponsor, uh, I want him to fire me as his understanding older sister. I am sick of being his understanding older sister. And my sponsor said, he's not going to fire you. You have to fire you. Why would he want to fire you from that job? Oh, see? Let it begin with me. It always comes back to, I have to make the change. Can I ask a question? Of course, of course. Yeah. Ha. Huh. She's asking, how does she forgive her mother? She feels we had the same mother. 
We are sisters, right? Um, is your mother still alive? Okay, yes. Okay, yeah, all right. So, right, so, so she said that another lady just said that uh, even though her mother's passed 43 years ago, she's still carrying her and still working through the issues. Ah, <sighs> well, that thing I just mentioned a little bit earlier of trying to be independent of the goodwill of others. In, in these 12-step programs, we get reparented. We find a surrogate parent. And it's a very good experience because, uh, you know, when you're a bratty teenager, you say, uh, well, I didn't ask to be born. And it's true. The mother wanted the child. You didn't want to be here. You didn't care, right? So you can always use that as a power play. But in OA, you have to go and ask someone to be your sponsor. I just got an email from one of my clients who, who said she's not going to make it here this weekend. She was going to, but some stuff happened. But she said, I promise to make two meetings and probably get a sponsor. I mean, I'm like, you know... So uh, that issue of humbling myself and saying, I want the relationship more than you do. I need something from you. That is very healing. And I know you've been around a long time and you've gotten that kind of healing from other people in the program. That bolsters us up a bit to realize I'm the one who has the program. They don't. I, see, I have gone to these meetings for 38 years, and I expect the other person has changed because of it. They haven't had the advantages that I've had, that love, that support, that encouragement to take risks, to be all you can be, all that stuff. So... Well, I guess I'll talk about it now. Ugh. I hate to talk about it on the tape, but uh, I actually just wrote another book where I talk about it a lot in there. But uh, my mother had, was in the hospital, and uh, I had to do a group with the, this was in New York, and I had to do a group with these Hasidic ladies I was meeting with. That that was really a trip. I had a Hasidic group, and I'm a very not religious person, but it was fabulous. But nearly everything I told them about Buddhism, they'd say, oh, it's in the Torah, it's in the Torah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe someday I'll study Judaism. I'm, I'm living Judaism, because my name is Judy, you see. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I was on the phone a lot with the... And I had just been to see her, and I... And I was on the phone with the social worker a lot, and they said it was really not a problem and that she was really okay and that we were making arrangements to transfer her to a nursing facility. And my doctor friends said that you get better help getting to the nursing facility if the person's in the hospital. So you don't want to take them home first, then you have a lot more problems. Who knew all these things? So, uh, so that was the deal. And... Uh, 
And I had just been to see her, I think, about six hours before, and I went back to Manhattan to do my group, and she called, and she said, when are you coming to see me? Oh, wait, wait, let me just back up. Uh, Henry, who's the man that I have been living with now for 17 years, uh, Henry drove me to Brooklyn to see my mother in the hospital. Then he drove me all over about her apartment and to grocery stores to get stuff to put in her fridge because she was coming home at that point and, uh, and, you know, just kind of helped me. So when I visited my mother, she said, uh, uh, she said, how are you getting around to do all these things that you're doing? And I said, well, Henry's driving me. So a normal person would have said, gee, thank him for, for being so kind. My mother said, what are you doing with a guy who has six kids? Right? It's like, what? You know, he can't give you anything. Whew. So I breathed into that <laughs> and headed back to Manhattan. But I did have a sense of how hard it is to be around her at any time. You know, reminded yet again. <laughs> when one least expects it, right? And that's why I have a terrible thing about being blindsided, you know? Because if anything comes to me, and that's why I was such a control freak and, you know, trying to watch all the bases because I don't want to be blindsided. Now, why shouldn't I be blindsided? I'm an expert in receiving blindsided wackos, you know? But uh, hurts, right? So I was always defended against that. And guess what? You can't be defended because someone's going to get you. It just happens. And you go, whoa, surprise. Breathe into it. Ah. So when you get that kind of wounding from your primary love object growing up, you have such defenses and such training that it's very hard to stay open and out here like we try to do in OA. But anyway... uh, so I went back to Manhattan, and she called, and she said, when are you coming to visit me? I said, Mom, I was just there. No, you weren't. So I said, I'm sorry, I have to do my group. You and your goddamn clients. It's all you think about is the goyim. Little did she know <laughs> that it was a Jewish group. But anyway, uh, there you go. So uh, I said, well, I'm sorry, I have to go to work. And work was always my salvation because I was good at it. And that's why this retirement thing has been taking me such a long time because it's a major area of competence and excitement and so many things that are good. But good is enemy of the best. I know that I meant to do some different things that I'm not sure about. Or relax even. Huh? Read a book, a novel. What do you think? Or the New York Times. Yay. Anyway, other people, normal people do things like that. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I said, no, I can't, I can't come to visit you. I'm going to go do my group. So that night, I did the group. At 2 in the morning, I woke up. And something said, you should go to Brooklyn. And then I said, hmm, 
why would it be any different at the end than it was forever? I don't want to go. And I went back to sleep. So that morning at 8 a.m., I called the social worker again, and he said, wait, let me let you talk to the doctor. And they said she had just passed away at 8 a.m. I had such guilt about that. You know, even though I'm a therapist, I understand, I, I saw the dance we did, I had made many amends, I still felt very bad about that. And I do believe that you can't change your mother, but it would be so lovely if you keep being resolved about your side of the street, you know? And, and I do. Like, despite her hostile behavior, I often came with kindness. And I learned that here. And I also did send a lot of amends letters and, and talk to her amends-wise. And uh, she would never really acknowledge it because she wanted to keep me on the hook, you know? She didn't really want there to be healing. And so even though you want to heal doesn't mean the other people want to heal. You know, it's their life. I mean, I feel so terribly sad for my mother. She could have had a lot more fun, you know? She was the one knitting those sweaters. She didn't know, like I did, that this morning I got to give it up and move on about the rent deal, right? She knew that you have to fester, fester, get caca, get all smelly. And she was very smelly. That's another thing that was a big deal. But um, she was like a bag lady with a roof over her head. So all I can tell you is that's my story around it. And uh, I do encourage everybody to keep making peace with their mother, uh, I guess to to suffer the slings and arrows. And if you're here long enough, you'll have enough strength to let it flow through you, you know? You'll breathe it in and wire mesh out, back out. Okay? But it's hard. It's hard to eat correctly, and it's hard to behave correctly. This is a very difficult program. And I believe in slow and painful recoveries. It's no quickie. I've seen all the 90-day wonders. In and out. Boom. Brilliant. Big flame. Bye. (laughs) So just, they say we trudge the road of happy destiny. Right? It's a trudge. So I think we'll take a break. And then those of you who are really serious... The rest of you, listen, no hurt, no foul. There are a lot of great workshops I'd like to be attending. If you want to go to something else, you, you know, feel free. But uh, if you come back here, we're going to be serious about you forgiving yourself. All right? So it's uh, 10 till 10. Let's get back at 10. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>